One, two, three. Like Yet again, work. dead on. It's been a few days, so I'm shocked. <laughs> it's in our blood now, Christian. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody is right. <laughs> <laughs> this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Thursday, May 28th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast, a semi-daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic and the work shutdown and all this craziness has affected your life and your work. Yeah, since we're not able to get together, your stories let us know that we're not alone in thinking, how are we going to get back to work? And what are the right procedures? And, you know, what is everyone else thinking? Email us your stories or record a one to two minute voice memo. You can do it on your smartphone and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. We have instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share the show with your friends, colleagues, your family. We want these stories to be heard, especially now that we're beginning to receive ideas on how we're going to start back to work. It's exactly. uh, important for us to uh, share. And we're going to talk about that, Christian. But first, what's going to happen today is we're going to go back in time again and listen to one of the original episodes. This is going to be episode three before covid when we had a completely different show yeah we were brand new at podcasting so forgive me there and we were on, <laughs> we were on the we hunt. were trying we were trying <laughs> exactly and i was so nervous and we were on the hunt for what it means and what it takes to be a good producer our guest that episode episode three was cheryl ward who worked at propaganda a tiny little small production company you may have heard about <laughs> back in the day. And she went on to become head of production at a notable New York production company. And now she's in-house at BBS using those skills as a production consultant and will share some valuable insight into that world. She is balanced and fair more than anyone I've ever met in the industry. Yeah, she, it was a great chat, great interview. So stick around, listen to that. But first, Christian, how are you? What's going on in your world? It's Thursday. It is Thursday, isn't it? Things are good. You know, I'm tired. I think it's mm -hmm. because, you know, it's getting warmer out there and I've been going out more, you know, socially distancing, of course. The desire to see people and uh, wanting to get out is... It is strong. It's strong. And so it's a little exhausting on your emotions. Mm -hmm. I think I'm right there with you. You know, we've kind of had different reactions throughout this whole thing. And but I think I'm exactly where you are right now. I miss my friends and miss doing things with people, people things. I do, too. I'm having a hard time focusing this week. I, I don't really believe in motivation, but I have a hard time in, you know, sticking to my regiment and doing the things I need to do in my daily life. So it's like, uh, yeah, I got to get back in the game somehow. You know, I thought by now it would be old hat, but um, every week's a new experience. Every week is a new experience. The unemployment came out again today, another 2 million people, I believe. So I think that tops 40 million people unemployed right now. Is it really 40 million? I believe it is 40 million. If only there was a way to verify that. You would think it's easy. I mean, go get the go get the encyclopedia. So it is. It is unemployment rate passes twenty three point nine percent, with mm -hmm. two point one million claims totaling forty point seven million. That's wild. It's it's a lot of people when you consider you know our country has three hundred and thirty five, three hundred thirty, three hundred thirty five million. 
people. Yeah. So it's a lot, obviously. And just being cognizant and aware that we are the lucky ones in this. Yeah. 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 100%. 100%. Well, uh, speaking, getting, well, getting back to work, right? Mm hmm. Yes. SAG after a DGA IOTSI issued the following statement because, as we know, Newsom was going to release for California guidelines for opening up film production. Those never came. Right. And last I heard that they're coming later this week, but it's Thursday. It's so Thursday. I don't know. Well, it's still nine thirty out there, right? So Oh yeah. <laughs> and we don't really get started until like uh, no. One o'clock uh, in LA. One o'clock in LA. No. <laughs> so their joint statement said we all want folks to get back to work as soon as possible, but we need to do it right. At this time there's no final draft of the industry task force white paper. I'm paraphrasing that exists right. yet. And mm-hmm. it would be premature to agree or comment on standards that have not yet been finalized. The collaboration between them is, has been unprecedented. This was IATSE all three, DG IATSE and, and SAG AFTRA. I think that's smart because there's so many, as we've noted a, a gazillion times, there's so many different guidelines popping around that mm-hmm. uh, the lack of federal guidelines, I think, is what's pushing everybody to turn out their own. Yes. Now, you got a copy of this presumed white paper, right? I did. And it's from Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, Industry-Wide mm-hmm. Labor Management Safety Committee Task Force. Proposed recommendations for health and safety protocols for motion picture television and streaming productions during the COVID pandemic. It is 30 pages. Uh, I know. I was just going to say it's a 30 page beast. It's a beast. And I skipped down to a few things that, you know, like training and education and those things, because, of course, they deal with cleaning wigs. And again, I know all of that's important, but I'm not at the cleaning wig phase. I'm more about, you know, generally understanding what our restrictions are walking in. Boil it down for me. If we have an indoor production, it can only be blah, blah, blah amount of people. And we recommend that you have, you know, Three sets of PPE per person, just in case, you know, something like before lunch, after lunch, and an extra one for, you know, just in case some some incident happens where you have to change it out, right? right? Or like, I need one bathroom per every five to six crew members, and then there's an attendant that wipes it down after every single use. Like, I, those are the solid guidelines that I feel I need because the rest of them mm-hmm. I think I can do because taking temperatures or getting people's medical status isn't really beneficial, even, Mm-mm. I think Mm-mm. we've learned. Yeah. And these, yeah, it's not. these white papers change as, the, as <sighs> what we know as, about... As the information changes, yeah. Well... A couple of things. I was listening to NPR this morning, and Ooh. there is new data that shows the coronavirus, this is by a team of scientists, is less lethal than first thought. Yes. So they are now putting the infection fatality rate for the U.S. somewhere between 0.7 mm-hmm. and 1.2%, which is less than originally thought, yes. which is good. Hopefully that puts some people at ease going back to work. Second thing is L.A. County Public Health released a notice on Monday That said production facilities and studios are cleared to reopen pending Mm -hmm. authorization. I know, and I'm I'm shocked that this didn't get much news, but Monday was a holiday. Pending authorization of the state public health officer and then Hmm. only in adherence to the state and county issued protocols. 
Right. The state protocols have not been issued. issued, Mm -hmm. And we don't know if Newsom's going to follow this white paper. The white paper is just being presented to Newsom. As, yes. Here's what we want this Mm -hmm. to be. Here's Mm -hmm. our research. And then he's going to put forth Mm -hmm. whatever he thinks is correct. So there's still a lot to be figured out that was all supposed to kind of come together this week. And it hasn't. Yeah, I think that they're going to open. And I I just say this because, A, there's a lot of pressure. And I don't think people are willing to wait much longer. And B, especially because we've heard that the fatality rate is lower. I think that it's inevitable that it's going to happen and that we're going to learn a lot from it and that people are actually willing to do it at their own risk, as we heard on our crew producer roundtable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Retail is opening up here in L.A. (laughs) Great. (laughs) In-store shopping. And I feel very strongly about this, that people will go if they feel safe. So great that it's opening up, but... (laughs) <laughs> and that all these things are so interrelated. So the, the massive unemployment numbers, consumer confidence, and the yeah. consumer confidence used to be on how good they felt about their own earnings mm-hmm. and money in the bank. Now, I think consumer confidence weighs so much more heavily on their own health and safety. Mm-hmm. Retail is going to be open, but I think we all have learned in the past eight weeks we don't need much. Yeah. And retail opening doesn't mean that people have the money to go out and do this. If you've been out of work or you're afraid you're going to get laid off, you're working from home. You don't need new clothes necessarily. Stores are opening and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't need to go to any of them. Right. And how are they going to stay in business if they don't have the customers? That's the big question. And so many of these retail, especially small businesses, operate on such a thin Mm -hmm. margin that it's all... It's all on shaky ground. That's all I'm going to say, man. It's a little shaky ground, but I can't. I would like to say that I may feel a little pessimist right now, or may sound a little pessimist. I'm not. I think that I'm not sure that I would go into a retail store to shop for things right now, right? Yeah. But I also I, don't I, want to discourage somebody from doing that too. Right. <laughs> because we need. We need retail to work exactly (laughs) because we need to advertise for retail. We need to make commercials, right? (laughs) For brands, (laughs) and so it's a catch twenty two. I don't want people to die or be unsafe or get sick or any of those things. But I also am not sure that I'm ready to frequent a regular old store right now. I should have said in store retail is open, but only fifty percent capacity. Right, so we'll have to wait in line to get our you know yeah coffee press. We should get on with the original episode three and listen to what Cheryl Ward has to say. Taking a trip back to early January, folks. When we were so innocent, so naive, thought we had summer plans. (laughs) (laughs) And because this show was recorded a while ago, the credits might be a little different. Uh, So we want to make sure that you know that this show was edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia. All right. Let's take a listen. <laughs> you clap. Uh, episode three. Oh, Solid. That was a good one. Did it, did it hurt? No. Yeah. Oh, nice. No, oh, it felt good. Welcome to the Producers Happy Hour, the podcast where two seasoned producers on opposite coasts have an honest discussion over drinks about what it means to be a good producer. It's more than just numbers on a spreadsheet. It's more than just hiring crew and renting gear. Join us on our continuing search for greater learning with host Sister Christian in New York and Lawrence T. Lewis in Los Angeles. Hi, Lawrence. Hey, Christian. We're back for episode three. Yeah, but I miss you. 
I miss you too. We're not in the same room. No, you're off in LA where you live. Yeah, but I can see you on my little computer screen. <laughs> Hi. Hey. <laughs> and here I am in Brooklyn in my basement. Yes, but we're still going to have drinks and chat about producing. Yes, today I have to admit that I'm having my favorite beer ever, Coors Light. Oh, that's your favorite beer? Yes. Wow. It's easy drinking and goes down smooth. You are as trashy as I thought you were. Yes, 100%. No offense to Coors Light drinkers (laughs) out there. Just some jokes amongst friends. Silver bullet. Silver bullet. Well, I am, uh, I'm drinking just a lovely glass of white wine. Nice. Well, it is afternoon. So I think that is a Coors Light. Or so we say. (laughs) (laughs) I think a Coors Light and a white wine is uh, fitting for this time of day. Yes. And. I have to admit, I've had some time off. I took some time off after my last job, and I'm really enjoying it. Did you get away? I got away. I went upstate after my New York job, and I'm just kind of been. Well, you have to take care of yourself because our jobs are so intense, and we live them for (sighs) every. We live them. It you know there aren't weekends off as much as we try, and when you do get an email at seven a.m., you respond to it. Yeah, can't put it down. So we have to take care of ourselves. Right. So I did that. I've been doing that. And because uh, I'm sure soon enough, the phone's going to ring and uh, you'll we... be back at work. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's time to get on with the episode. But just a reminder for people who aren't familiar with the show, Producers Happy Hour is about us going on a journey to find what it takes and what it means to be a good producer. Yes. It's not as easy as it seems. People may think it is. <laughs> but it's, it... it's not just numbers on a spreadsheet. No, it's a combination of uh, many skills that combined to make a good producer. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, this week's guest is Cheryl Ward, who worked at Propaganda back in the day. Remember them? (laughs) I mean, how can you not? (laughs) My mom told me about them once. Uh, Right. And she went on to be head of production at a notable New York production company. And now she's in-house at BBS using those skills as a production consultant, and will share some valuable insight into that world. Oh, yes. She's balanced and fair, far more than anyone I've ever met in this industry. Yeah, I I can't wait to talk to her. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. But first, what time is it, Christian? It's time for cruise shout outs. Right. (laughs) So I'd like to take the opportunity. It's It's been a little bit since this job. But I'd like to give a shout out to Shauna Caserta, a production manager that I used in Las Vegas. Oh, I've never shot in Las Vegas. Well, I can tell you that fantastic community. Great. It's very warm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We were actually filming at an outdoor festival called Life is Beautiful Uh for a large brand and with a very small crew. Mm. And at the pre-pro meeting at 7 p.m. the night before the shoot, the creative changed completely. Those are the scariest words, the creative changed. Completely. Oh, God. (laughs) So she facilitated this with grace (laughs) and style. (laughs) She was able to pull off a different camera package among many other things Mm -hmm. that uh, made the job happen. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, cheers to Shauna. It was a very difficult job and she made it happen. Cheers, Shauna. Cheers, Shauna. Yeah, it's uh, having a PM like that on these kind of jobs that are crazy and hard and difficult and challenged and all that kind of stuff is so important. Yes. So finding a good one, <laughs> especially in places in a smaller that, market, in a smaller market mm-hmm. is really important. So 
Well, I can say that when I was a production manager in New York and an L.A. producer would would bring their L.A. production manager, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I always felt like I was the one, but I'm but I'm the local. Right. Right. And I understood how that made me feel. Yeah. So anytime I go into a town, the majority of the time I do use the local because they know it better than, you know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And they're going to know it better than the PM you take with you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true. So I think it's important. And she really pulled through for us. Excellent. Yes. Well, my shout out, if I may, is Courtney Battles. And again, this is from my, yeah, that's her real last name. (laughs) Well, actually, I don't know if it's real. That's a great name. name, Courtney Battles. (laughs) And this is again from my job in New York that Mm -hmm. I was, uh, when I was out there. She was my talent coordinator, which was Mm -hmm. an important aspect of this job because we were running a hair salon for three days in the meatpacking district of New York. That's crazy. A hair salon for both humans and dogs. And we had... I don't know how you guys did that. (laughs) We had part of the talent, believe it or not, our hairstylists and makeup Mm -hmm. artists. Those Mm -hmm. were considered talent because they were on camera, on the stage. Ah. Dog groomers. Of course. And then customers with their dogs. Public. Public customers. Now, realize we, of course, you know, as you do in any good experiential Mm -hmm. job, you precast some of these people. Mm -hmm. So you have guaranteed content. Otherwise, it could all fall apart. So we did cast some people through regular, real people casting. As we do. We did some street casting at the dog parade in the East River Park. Yes. And the Halloween dog parade. Halloween dog parade. <laughs> Thanks to that. Yes. And we had real walk-up customers. And Courtney was in charge of all those people. And we had in- wow. influencer dogs. Mm-hmm. We had influencer people that weren't coming to get makeovers just to take photos. I'm it, a little jealous. It influencer was dogs. A l- we That's met, a large community. We met famous dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We met some really famous dogs. And Courtney coordinated all of them, communicated with all of them about their time, if we were running late, if they were running early, you know, and just took on this job and coordinated the talent like a beast. Wow. It was like, it was about 70 people. That's a lot. It was 60, 60 mm-hmm. customers and about 10 staff and also the brand ambassadors too. So she had to coordinate wow. 70 people over the three-day experience. And she handled it flawlessly and Courtney. handled all the contracts, mm-hmm. all the communication, all the emails. It was amazing. So shout out, or actually cheers to Courtney Battles. Cheers, Courtney. Cheers. And so as always, we're going to put their contact information in the show notes if anybody wants to ever get a hold of them. Yes. Christian, do you know what time it is? It's time for tip of the day. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) So my tip of the day is because we're talking to Cheryl Ward, who is a production consultant, my tip of the day is called have a story because. Makes sense. You need to have a story, especially if you're involved in the bidding process. Mm -hmm. But even if you're not, if you're involved in overages or talking to producers or in talking to production consultants, you have to have a story to back up whatever your needs are. Exactly. If you need more money, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you need more money or if you put something in the budget, you need to be able to back it up. And justify it. And justify it with a story. You can't just think, oh, I'm just going to push this through and push this number through. Or if you talk to a production consultant and they have questions, you need to be able to have the answers. Right. And a story will help them. And a story will help you. Understand. They're not Mm -hmm. there to just take a pen and line out numbers out of your budget. I mean, they are. But if you have a story and you can talk to them and you can reason with them, they're reasonable people most of the time, you should be able to protect yourself and use your story 
to justify the things you need to execute the job. Agreed. That's a great tip. Yeah. So here's my tip of the day. And again, uh, mine seemed to be very common sense based. But anytime I ever talk to a cost consultant, I treat them as if they're humans. And to your point, Lawrence, a lot of times cost consultants or production consultants are a faceless, nameless person on Mm -hmm. the other end of an email that is questioning why you need that much craft service. Yeah. And if you can approach them from a human side and treat them how you would like to be treated, I know, common sense. Go figure. I know. (laughs) Crazy, right? (laughs) But they're often not thought of as human by anybody that we normally discuss cost consultants as. Anytime you say cost consultant, usually there's a face made behind (laughs) it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or people get nervous. Yeah. And I think that that's not, I mean, they're doing their job and you have your job. And I think that if you just approach them in a way that is human. Mm -hmm they will understand. And I think that goes for everybody that we True. deal with, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a day-to-day tip. Yeah. <laughs> Treat humans like humans. Exactly. Be nice. Don't be a dick. Have a story. And you'll get through it. And you'll get through it. Right. Communication. Yeah. Go bigger. Okay, so as you may or may not have guessed, today's topic is about working with a production consultant. What's their job? What do they do? How do you work with them? How do you kind of get through all the hoops that they might make you jump through? And how does fairness play into it? Yes, and we touch on that a lot in our interview with Cheryl. Yes. And she really demonstrates how important it is to be open and honest. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. be a good communicator, mm-hmm. just like we learned in our last episode. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting all the hints. Yes. And fairness. Yes. Like they're not, they're not there to be unfair to production. No. And a lot of times, a lot of them have been in our position. Right. Of course, we come across the ones who have never been on a set before. So they have those questions, but don't treat them as if they're dumb. You take it as a learning, a teaching moment. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all had them, the production consultants that got there because, I don't know, they were an accountant on a film once or right. something that had the fact and they really don't know what is involved in producing a commercial. Mm-hmm. So that can be frustrating. But being able to be clear and concise, treating them like humans, mm-hmm. having your story as to why you need the numbers that are on the page or why you need the overage or what's involved in the overage and just not assuming that they understand exactly what is all going on behind the scenes or what's in your brain or what's in your brain because <laughs> only you are in your brain and you're the one that has this idea of how this job is supposed to come together and you have to be able to articulate that in a friendly positive way mm-hmm. for them to see your methodology and be able to stamp approved on your overage or budget exactly well let's uh, get to the interview yes i'm very excited okay So during a career of 20 plus years in film and advertising production, Cheryl Ward has worked in the arenas of feature development and acquisitions to commercial production management and then head of production and executive producer roles, overseeing projects from inception through post-production. A few years ago, Cheryl joined BBS as a content production consultant. Her experience have given her a unique set of skills, which allows her to guide clients through the world of production. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're very excited. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for your time. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are today, and a little about your career highlights and how you got to where you are now. 
Well, I guess, you know... Um, after film school. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after film school and lots of debt. Now, I think that when I started out in acquisitions and development, that kind of really drove me towards production because it was just a maddening area to be in because it's just so hard to get projects off the ground and greenlit and Mm -hmm. it just takes an enormous amount of time and energy to to put into stuff and yet you don't kind of get the reward Mm -hmm. all the time whereas with production (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh, here's a job. We're going to go film. We're going to edit it. It's going to be on TV and it all happened in three weeks. Woohoo. It's great. So very satisfying. It's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. And the fact that you don't have months and years on end to solve problems and tweak things. It's like you just don't have that kind of time. You need to be quicker with your decisions. You need to have all your information just at the front of your brain at all times, ready to use, which is just really, really great. And, you know, it's been really interesting watching how the industry has changed, you know, not just from film to digital, but in Mm -hmm. terms of financially and how budgets have gotten more challenging and the way in which content is just sort of put out there through social media and just online. And it's just really amazing to to how things have progressed. And it's kind of fun at this point where I am as a as a consultant because you have all these young marketing people who have very little production experience mm-hmm. and some of them are like sponges and they want to learn <laughs> and others just want you to make as many decisions for them as you can. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it's just an interesting side to be on now. Uh, it's sort of like doing a 180. Oh, yeah. And I know I'm kind of like on the dark side now, but mm. um, I try to to very much remember where I was on the opposite side and kind of bring that to the mix at all the time. So it's funny because, you know, we do come across people in your position and yeah, you say the dark side and sometimes it, it mm. does come across that way. But I think what I found, I've worked with some great people that are full of knowledge mm-hmm. that have the kind of career that you've had that have something to stand upon when they're making the cuts to your budget or having conversations mm-hmm. about how to skinny things up. And it shines so much more clearly than when it's coming just out of thin air. Yes. yeah. You know, you can have educated conversations with someone like yourself and it's only dark-sided when it's somebody who doesn't <laughs> it's have... it's not you. When somebody <laughs> doesn't have it. When somebody doesn't working have it. off of rate sheets. I exactly. Mean, there's been a lot of... Oh, um, I mean, I've learned sheets. that there's just a, a lot of firms out there and we definitely have a much different approach than a lot of them do. I have a new appreciation for the agency side of everything. Ah. And I feel like I have a definite improved perspective because I work very, very closely with them, more closely with the agencies than I do with the clients most of the time uh, because we're really in the weeds together. You know, the clients are constantly adding to the deliverables Mm -hmm. list. They're adding to their ask and the numbers, the budgets aren't changing. And we may be advising and preparing them for the reality, but it doesn't change what 
those numbers are after the dollar sign. And, you know, may I interject a question? Yes. So you're hired by the client to work with the agency. Correct. So BBS will have agreements with clients and some clients have multiple consultants. Some just have me. Some are global and they'll have consultants of ours, you know, throughout the world. Some work with multiple agencies. Some skip around a lot. But I just work with whoever they're working with. Really, from the minute the creative is established to the point where it's moving forward. I noticed right you didn't until, say good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like... Hmm, do I get to comment? <laughs> but we really don't. We don't really comment on creative. We really just comment on the production financial side of mm-hmm. things and really try to preserve the creative as much as we can. But yeah, we're really, you know, the agency and I are really work as a team as much as they will allow. Some agency folks are, are easier than others. That's true in life. Yeah, you know, so I think it just kind of takes a little getting used to personalities and and understanding my perspective on things before they sort of warm up to the idea that there's a a third party involved. So you've kind of told us a little bit about BBS. Give us an idea of what's your day to day. How does that operation work from a, a production consultant's seat? It's kind of as you know, as things come up, but I'll either be at the point. I mean, there's a lot of client agency meetings where we're getting a project off the ground. We have meetings called pre-bids where we're really laying out the entire project and we're discussing everything from the deliverables, the casting specs, the color correct product needs, and presenting who we're going to be bidding with, which directors that you know, we're recommending we engage in the project. And once that we've launched at that point, it's really treatments coming in, reviewing bids, you know, going over costs and questions, making sure that every bidder understands our needs and what the client is asking for and making sure that everything's fair between the bidders, making sure that the agency has communicated the same thing to all the bidders, not just who their favorite is going into the whole process, if there is one. Where have you been my whole life? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I warmed Lawrence up to the fact that you're the most fair person that I've ever met. Thank you. And equal. Mm-hmm. Everybody's equal. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. But it just, that just sold you, Cheryl. Yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> I, so I, nice. I didn't realize how involved you were in the early stages of the process. That's really fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's interesting because, you know, I know the agency, the one thing that they always like to forget is handing me the treatments. And I said, well, you have to understand something. I said, I'm not going to look at the bid unless I've read the treatment because all the answers to my questions are usually in the treatment. What kind of camera and lens is the director's using? Is it more than one camera? Is what they're proposing going to lead to a heavy lighting package? Are they mentioning more talent than was in the specs? (laughs) Always. So I'm not wasting their time with questions that I could have found in the treatment had I bothered to read it. Also, that kind of also lets me know, too, it's like, wait a second, did, did everybody have the same director call with the creatives? Because this guy seems to be way out in left field. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it really, you know, you really want 
before things go to your client, you really want things to be apples to apples as best it can be. I usually have sidebars with the clients just in terms of if anything's not feeling right, if numbers seem to be really askew, if there's anyone that's like really resisting any kind of comments or mm. not really engaging in back and forth, you know, it's, it can be a sign of how they're going to be on set. Huge and, red flag. <laughs> yeah, it can be a real red flag. And once in a great while, I'll actually get on the phone with the production companies because sometimes stuff is just so much easier to mm -hmm. get to the bottom of if you just have a quick conversation rather than the back and the forth. But, you know, uh, mm -hmm. usually with the agency, I'll never just call them out of the blue. It'll always be set up. And even if, you know, we're using service companies shooting outside the country, mm -hmm. if it's people that I know that somebody's working with, it's very helpful because when I see those service company bids, I understand where the numbers are coming from and how they like to bid and how so it should uh, look. How it should look, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can say too that I, anytime that I'm on a job that I know is being looked at by a, or bidding a job that I know is being looked at by a cost consultant, I ask mm -hmm. to speak to them directly. I think that's great. I always, I, I'm like, listen, please. I mean, they're very common sense answers mm -hmm. and I can really just go through it and end everyone's <laughs> misery Suffer. pretty quickly. I know. Mm -hmm. Because, I, know. I mean, in the end, I think uh, sometimes the reputation is a bad one when I think that most cost consultants are humans mm -hmm. and they just want to be treated as such. So it's <laughs> so please, please see me as a human. So then you kind of touched on it, but how do you interact with producers on a daily basis? Like, is it mainly the agency producer? It's mainly the agency producer. It will be with account people, ah. heavily with the business manager as well. Producer and business manager the most, and then the account team. But really, it's the agency producer. And if I have any interaction at this point in my career with the line producers, it's really when we're in production mm -hmm. and overages come up mm -hmm. and you know, you just kind of bullet point things in an overage, but there's no story behind it. And so it's just <laughs> it's really just $20,000. And you're like, why? $20,000. Yeah. It's like, could you just sign this? No. Can I just talk to the producer when you break for lunch or something? Five uh -huh. minutes and we can just answer all the questions. And usually that's just very helpful. It's my one rule of giving either a gift or an overage. There's got to be a story behind it. <laughs> yes, yes, please let there be a story. A pretty good one, too. A pretty good one, too, yes. What did the client do? <laughs> <laughs> totally changed their mind, middle of the night. It's crazy. So in your career of working in different capacities with different producers, different types of producers, have you found one key ingredient that a producer embodies or needs to embody to be effective and good at their job? Being a fantastic communicator, um, not just between the producer and their director and crew or the production company, the agency, but it's just so vital that information is shared to all the appropriate parties because mm -hmm. it can really impact a job when stuff is just not shared with all the right stakeholders. and. You know, I think it also helps to set expectations when they're able to communicate, because whether it's about the schedule and when clients and agency need to approve things, because if anything's delayed, there could be cost implications. <laughs> 
you know, whether it's the talent, the locations, it's like that that's crucial. But communicating the client's wishes when you're on set, I think that's just really the most important part. And then next would for me would be fairness, how they are with their crew and their vendors, mm-hmm. especially if anything on a job is cost plus, because those final costs end up coming my way. And I see everything. I see the payroll reports. I know what was bid. I know what people were paid. If you start seeing inconsistencies, Mm -hmm. um, you start to wonder about not just the producer, but you worry about the production company. Yeah. Ethics. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's really, really important. And, you know, I do my best to be fair. You know, when things are being bid, I've actually had production companies underbid. P&W. And I know they're trying to hit a number. And a lot of times that is a cost plus item for clients. And I'm like, you know what, this is not the way to like scrimp and save on your budget. Because we know this is going to be your cost. And you can't, you know, or if they, Mm -hmm. yeah, or if they don't have P&W at all, and that, you know, they're just gonna, you know, I start to worry about workers comp and things like that. But I think knowing that the crew has been treated fair, I'm in constant contact with the agency. So while they're on set, you know, if they're picking up on things, we're all hearing about it. And uh, secret. Good to know. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, uh, well, I mean, one of the reasons why we invited you on, uh, we're all very like minded here. So I would like to think that if I was being reported on, it would all it would be fair. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's very interesting to know because not everybody uh, thinks that they will ever get caught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We've been... Oh, through. yeah. And who is not bidding P&W? I, I, in this case? <laughs> it's not the 90s anymore. Are you, I mean, but it's... I mean, I've had a, a couple companies busted mm-hmm. by the state labor boards, yeah, and mm-hmm. to the tune of fifty to $75,000 fines. Ouch. Yep. Not worth it. it. It's, it's really... It's really not. And, you know, I've had production companies that you know, bid a job non-union mm-hmm. and I think we're able to, but somehow somebody that was union got onto the crew and mm-hmm. called it in and, <laughs> you know, they bid P&W one way and then they paid for it another and yep. it's cost plus and it's like, well, wait a second, they're in this situation and it becomes this really delicate balance because you never want to see anybody kind of take it on the chin. Right. And it was definitely like a learning curve. Exactly. Um, well, it's a learning lesson. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge lesson. Hey, I can tell you that the companies that's happened to with me, it's only happened once. Well, that's good. After advising against it, (laughs) 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 going against my my sound advice, it's happened and then they don't do it. Well, you know, know, sometimes it just takes proving a point in an expensive way. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So think back, Mm -hmm. go back in, in in your brain to when you're ahead of production. Mm-hmm. What did you think, what traits in a producer or what did you need? What type of thing did you need from them in order to support the production as best you could as head of production? I think one, I mean, well, communication. yes, the communication, yeah. mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm. Knowing who was coming on board crew-wise, who they were reaching out to is always very helpful because, you know, do we have a, a history with this DP or this agent? Is there a particular art director that we love or are not crazy about? But just kind of having those early conversations 
is very helpful because whether we have past experiences with other directors or with this director, I think just kind of being in the loop there uh, was very important. And then, you know, I, I know a, a producer is just like, you know, the minute they're on the job, it's like they're never left alone and they have people coming at them from <laughs> every angle and people are talking at them to them with them and it's like is and like are they catching all of this so I know it's really hard to find the five minutes to come over to see me or make a phone call to just kind of you know report in on how things are going but it makes such a huge difference and really when it comes time for negotiating invoices at the end for for rentals being a part of those discussions is always really appreciated because from having the history of okay what jobs have we done recently with other producers with other directors and what vendors have we already you know asked for favors where we kind of need to give it back and how are we doing on this job i think it's good to make those decisions together so that you as a company aren't hitting anybody your reputation right yeah you really want to the give and take and so your producer may not know that you just took on the last two jobs and all of a sudden you're <laughs> uh-huh. like 40 under and you're like okay well we need to give on this <laughs> we need to pay back we don't favors. need yeah yeah <laughs> exactly. and then you want to have a you know you know be seen as like the rock star but not at the risk no. of Mm-mm. not being fair no and may i just say as a side note that those five minutes that you like to get mm-hmm. from your producer are my favorite five minutes to give to the EP of whatever company I'm working at. Oh, I feel nice like to hear. Well, I feel like, you know, the communication that is open there, I want them to know everything, mm-hmm. even if it I mean, you know, not the petty shit. Don't get me wrong. But I want yeah, them to know yeah. that this is how their director is. So maybe in the future they should take this, this, this into account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, well, Mm -hmm. I just had a job where I'm like, Mm -hmm. this person needs to always work with a script supervisor. That's it. You should not cut that out. That should Mm -hmm. not be the first thing you cut because this person needs it. In order to do their job, they need somebody making sure they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I love that. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's great. I think it's really important. And it also gives the the company a little bit of insight too as to the aftermath of the job when everybody's moved on to the next thing it's like okay what's what's left that we have to tend to or oversee what's outstanding so that nothing really falls through the cracks so Cheryl our industry has changed so much over the years how has that affected you and what you do and how has that affected your agency partners and the producers that you work with I find that people come and go a lot quicker. Interesting. Yeah, I just, Hmm. I see it either with the production companies that we're bidding and who we Mm -hmm. kind of work with, hands will change. I've even had companies like where they've been in the middle of a job and they've actually gone into bankruptcy. Mm. And with the agencies too, it's like you may have a great team that you're working with, but then all of a sudden your client moves to a different agency. And now everyone that you've been working tightly with for the past two years, and you've got a real flow to how you work is gone and you have to start fresh. But then when you call to 
inquire about past jobs or tie up loose ends, the people that you worked with are already gone because the minute an agency loses a client, they just start cutting people if they don't have a new client coming in to rebalance. So I find that really unfortunate. It's just that there's a lot of expendability with this climate. Oh, it's ugly out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, when, when, so deep. Well, the tip, I know. <laughs> Thank you. To your point earlier, when you said, uh, you know, it's all content these days. And um, mm-hmm. I've found that Instagram stories are more important than 15 second spots mm-hmm. in some clients' mind because their target audience is going to be clicking on the pre rolls or the Instagram before they're mm-hmm. watching uh, television oh, yeah. the way that we grew up watching television. That's Those Super Bowl true. commercials are gone. They're <laughs> yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's all. Although it's Olympics all are coming. <laughs> I'm excited about those. It's interesting because now with the media companies that are buying your your airtime, you know, there's all these, you're, you've got your media buyers for all your network and cable, and then you have your social media companies that mm-hmm. are all about mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram, digital YouTube. Agencies. I know, and I'm like, oh, if I hear mm-hmm. about one more six-second GIF or Bob. Bumper yeah. or I'm like, a boring what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't Snapchat. want real words. <laughs> what is what? I know. Is there a filter for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, used to be fix it and post, and now it's like, how many hits can I get? You know? Right. Yes. And yes. It's, it's gone in 24 hours. It's mm-hmm. gone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, but you know, oh, can I can I add this one thing? This yeah. is something that's really interesting that <clears throat> that I found, and this. It just, it adds another layer of complication. But when you are casting now, before we book talent, we research the talent to see their mm-hmm. Insta accounts or mm-hmm. if they have any YouTube channels because they may be saying negative things about an ingredient in your food or wow. a bra- like a pro- type of product in general yes and all of a sudden you've cast them for your spot like what do you mean you don't drink milk like you know no. dairy's bad what? <laughs> and it becomes a real issue and so now it's sort of like going into the casting specs you kind of have to put it out there that you know this is the product if you have any issues you know if we're going to find any negative comments on social sites or whatever you know please don't participate in the casting or you know you're not going to be selected and and so oh. forth so well, I've, i haven't seen that in casting selects yet but i certainly during the casting process have requested instagram handles yeah. or facebook so that we can do our own research research exactly mm-hmm. exactly well so what yeah. do you what do you think the most important thing producers should know in today's media landscape I don't know. That's such a, that's a hard question. (laughs) It's a, it's a good one. I mean, I can give you an example. Like the last person we interviewed said tech, they have to be up on their technology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And understand what all these platforms are that uh, Mm -hmm. you're advertising for and who watches them and what the market is like being tech savvy. Yes and no. I don't know if, because half the time you're surrounded with people that are, so mm-hmm. from a producer and they're willing to tell you I, <laughs> I mean you know it's like really okay so we need to adjust frame rates or we need to shoot this two different ways because we need two different frame rates i don't know if that's 
if what if you feel that that that's important, yeah right? as as important just because you've got your dit your ac your dp your agency the experts, team the tech experts you know are, exactly that yeah. are there anyway i think it's just you're sharing the information you're communicating this is what we need do you fully understand it maybe maybe not but you know i think i, I think we mean more globally like understanding what instagram is and who the market is. <laughs> yeah, I would or, say yeah. kind of knowing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're kind of not in the loop. That, the social um, media. The jingles went away the kids 25 like. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you might be in trouble. Right. That's <laughs> fair. Yeah, you, I would like to, to know that they're aware of who our market is. So and staying current. Or yeah, how about this? What would your advice be? To a producer who, you know, a little green, they probably came up through the ranks. They didn't just mm-hmm. call themselves a producer one day, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what would your, what would the important thing that you would advise them on? Side note, Cheryl used to have this production manual oh, really? <laughs> checklist. Oh. <laughs> and it would be like pre-production, like location. <laughs> it just had a list for every. Oh, Do you buy goodness. toilet paper? Remember that list? I bet Lawrence would love to see that. Yes. yes. I love the list. I do remember the list. I know. And it was pages long. And she'd be like, yep. It was got pages this. long. Yep. Was and we would really check it off. Yep. Insane. Toilet paper bought. Everything off. Yep. Soft soap. Bug spray. Got it. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yes. I know. I know. It was a little particular. So at the top, well, still are, it <laughs> sounds like. Yeah. I would say get out there and talk to your crew, your vendors, you know, equipment is always changing, how it's operated, the crew that's needed for it. It's just really being, like you said, current on everything. I think that's that's the most important thing. I mean, the more familiar you are with everything that's being used and how it's being used, the better off you'll be at communicating and just kind of running the show. That's great. It makes sense because we have to stay current. Yeah. I mean, not, not yeah. only just I mean, for, for tech reasons or equipment reasons, but, you know, we're in uh, an, an industry of making media for the current generation using current technology. And mm-hmm. we can't uh, turn a blind eye to, to, you know, the way the industry is growing, the way equipment's growing, the way the methodology of creating media is growing and changing. We have to stay current and incorporate all these new methods into our into our uh, vocabulary. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody has their job to do, but to rely on everyone to the point where you feel it excuses you from yes. being able to double check and mm-hmm. dot the i's and cross mm-hmm. the t's, then that's kind of a shame on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So to wrap things up, and I don't know if you have something like this, but across your career, head of production and uh, through features and what you're doing now as a cost consultant, what has been your best experience or interaction with a producer of any type, agency, line producer, anything? Wow. You've had so many. I know. <laughs> They're all just flooding your brain, you're aren't they? Wow. One. Exactly. <laughs> I, I guess one that really can communicate the it's almost like closing a deal because with agency producers, you'll have creatives that are clearly recommending a certain director and a client may want to go in another direction for various reasons. And 
you may not even be in agreement with it. You might be saying, you know what, I really think you need to trust the agency on this one. But, you know, I've seen producers really sell it and own it to the point where they're going to stand behind their creatives Mm. with Mm. pitching their recommend. Or if the client went against the recommend and selected somebody else, now they're kind of in this situation where they might have some grumpy creatives, but they need to sort of rally everybody to treat the entire job as if this was their recommend, like that this is the best person for the job mm-hmm. in order to, you know, have it be successful. That's, I mean, that very interesting because we don't get to see it from that side. Yeah. We just make, we just make it happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, there's been agency producers that really put in endless hours. You just have clients that are changing everything constantly. You have creatives that aren't happy with how things are proceeding. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you need the most successful campaign or spot in the end. And how am I going to make sure that that happens? Right. So those that do, it's really <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, so I do have a follow-up question. So think back to when you were working for producers, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us something that somebody taught you or you learned through experience or learned through just being around them? that you changed you and changed the way that you thought about things? I would say a producer, this was like really early in mm-hmm. production land for me. One, allowing people to, like having the trust in people to do the job that they're hired to do, like giving them the room to breathe and, and, and do what they're supposed to do while still kind of finding those teaching moments mm-hmm. and just being a good reader of people. Right. You know, I think so that's important. so yeah. important <laughs> to know, okay, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a little worried about this art director that the director has brought on. <laughs> I'm going to... They seem to be dating. Oh, no, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to need to pay a little closer attention and kind of handhold here. And then, oh, wow, this coordinator is a rock star. Okay, my PM is overloaded. Let me like pass some other things on to the coordinator because mm-hmm. they are more than competent to handle. It's just knowing what... Reading the room. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely. love it. I love it. Watching it's a good huge. producer work is yeah. just, it's still amazing. Like when it I have is. a good partner at an right. agency, it just, oh. Great. Well, in a way, they're like, they're all about protection, right? They're protecting Mm -hmm. the director from the Mm -hmm. agency. They're protecting Mm -hmm. the production company from going over budget. They're protecting the agency so that, you know, if there was an oops, the client doesn't hear about it. They're protecting the client and being able to deliver exactly what it is they were sold on. So, you know, and they're protecting the crew from being overworked, like yeah. there's being so overworked, much. Mm-hmm. exactly. And um, there's a lot, you know, safety, everything. So mm-hmm. it's really an amazing, amazing role to have. Cheryl Ward, thank you so much for your time and your amazing insight from a vantage point that we don't often get to, uh, to, to see from. Well, thank you. I really appreciate being here. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for giving us your time. Very valuable. We're very excited. Thank you. Thank you.
Lawrence, I have to say, I'm very, very happy that she was able to do this. I think that we learned a lot today. There's so much more that they're involved in in the beginning of the job that I didn't even realize. I had no idea. A pre-bid meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew about that? I don't know, but I... What I found valuable was, you know, I walk in once the job has been awarded. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I bid it, but a lot of times you just get the job handed to you yeah. and you make it happen. Right. You have no idea all the months worth of steps that went into it to get it there. And she really let us know how much work went into it before you receive it. And production consultants are not to be feared. No, <laughs> she actually was really friendly, right? And totally. very and super approachable. Exactly. Yes. All right, so if you have any questions or comments or any ideas on how to be a more fair producer or any ideas on how you like to work with production consultants, send us an email. Yes, hit us up at producershappyhour at gmail.com or you can find all of our contact info at producershappyhour.com. And once again, a big shout out to Kyle Puccia, who is a commercial music composer. He did our intro and outro music. And another shout out to Tom Tenney at Radio Free Brooklyn for this great studio space and making us sound as good as we sound. Exactly. I am happy to have spent the last 40 minutes with Tom. <laughs> Christian, how can people get a hold of you personally? I can be reached at sisterchristianproduces.com. And how about you, Lawrence? I'm at indelible-arts.com and voiceoflawrence.com. We've got great guests coming up in future episodes, and we're just going to keep diving deep into how to be a better producer. And what does it mean? Yes, please send us your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Join us next week for another edition of Producers Happy Hour with your host, Sister Christian and Lawrence T. Lewis. 